All right, so if you guys have your Bibles today, let's open our Bibles up to Matthew, okay? We are gonna be in Matthew 13. We're gonna be starting in verse one. Uh, This is actually a prop because everything's on the screen. It's really bad. But if you have your Bible today, please open it up. Um, I forgot my Bible this morning. This is what my Bible looks like. I actually forgot my Bible this morning, but I brought four kids here, so I feel pretty accomplished. So I'm gonna go with that. But let's start in verse one of uh, Matthew 13. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Anybody ever want to escape? Anybody ever want to run away from their children or anyone else? Yeah. Sometimes I just, believe it or not, I, I function very well in social situations, but I love to be alone. It's really nice. So Jesus too at times, you know. So he backed up a little bit, but then he told this parable to them. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell along rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered away because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred 60 or 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. So a parable um, is just simply a story. And so God, or Jesus uses these in about a third of his teachings in the Bible. He uses parables. So this parable is actually written into the Bible three different times. The first one is in the book of Matthew, which is what we're covering today. But you may have already heard this, this um, parable before. But I want to talk to you um, further about this Uh, just breaking down this message into three different areas. But before we do, let's go into verse 18. We're going to skip down into verse 18, and we're going to hear what Jesus has to say about this parable. It's nice when he explains it, right? He doesn't just tell us it, but he explains it to us too. So it says, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is a seed sown among the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears a word and understands it. This is the one who produces crop, yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. So today I've actually titled the message, Parents Prepare the Soil. And so I want to talk to you about that. Um, So as a mom, I I mentioned that we have four kids. You guys probably already know that. You've probably seen my kids with messy hair and one shoe running around the church. Um, probably all of you have. You've all seen me a little bit in a mess here and there, Um, but I wanted to share just one short story with you about the reality of parenting, and I could tell you that this morning I had um, plans to bring some things with me that didn't come, including my Bible, Um, but I'll tell you a real quick story about parenting that I think um, just helps me and helps you to understand that there is an ideal 
and there is a real. And Pastor Ricky talked about this um, earlier on in the series, but uh, this was reminding me of it. So um, when Samuel was about 18 months old, we've been picking on him this, this, <laughs> this series, so I'll just continuing that. But uh, we had uh, Lillian there, and then Samuel, he's about 18 months old. That would have made her maybe about four or so. And um, I thought, you know, I'm going to be a great mom. I think I had Fridays off at the time. And so um, I took the kids, and I thought, I'm going to go to the park. We're going to have a great day. We're going to get outside, fresh air, no screens. Life is good. Anybody want to get their kids off the screens, a little bit less screens in their lives? I get that. Um, and so I thought, yeah, let's go, and let's, um, let's go to the park and enjoy time together. And so... We went out to the park, went to a new park we'd never been before, and um, Samuel uh, is running around the playground. I'm watching him. He's pretty good, but he runs up this ramp um, that they have at the park, and he proceeds to trip and, like, just smash his face into the ground. And so there I am with a four-year-old and a kid with a smashed face. Well, if you have ever seen Samuel in an environment where he hits his face, the first thing that happens is blood just starts gushing out of his face. It is very traumatizing. I was never a nosebleeder. I didn't know anybody that had bloody noses. And so I had no clue how to handle this. I was panicked. There was blood everywhere. I didn't have a change of clothes. I was an absolute mess. So the ideal was that we would go to this park and have this wonderful time and life would be good and my children would love me. And the real was that I was cleaning up blood and trying to scoop my four-year-old and get them into the car and take them off and figure out. I was literally Googling, how do you stop a bloody nose? Literally Googling it while I'm trying to stop the bloody nose. I was a mess. And the second story I'll tell you is that um, Ricky actually uh, played in a softball league for a time when we were first married. And um, I, for, for, for Lillian, I got her a little cute little shirt that like was cheering on daddy and it was all cutesy. I had made it. I had like printed I, on the, you know, iron on things. I'd made this beautiful. She blew out in it the first minute that we arrived. First minute that we arrived, I was like, Whoa, ah! and I actually had matching ones with another another girl that had a baby the same age as mine, and we had matching ones, and there it was. It was ruined. So ideal versus real, that's the reality of parenting, and I thought it would be actually fun that if I brought up some books from my bookshelf, that is one thing that I missed this morning. I didn't bring the books from my bookshelf, but I did write down um, some of the books that sit on my bookshelves that um, are some of my mom books, parenting books, and um, one of them is called Hands-Free Mama, so that's just kind of get off your phone a little bit, you know, spend more time with your kids, that ideal of, of doing that. Um, one of them that my, my daughter read the title back to me when she was about six or seven years old, Am I Messing Up My Children? Literally, that's the title of the book, Am I Messing Up My Children? That was a book that I was reading um, at one point. Um, another one is She's Got Issues. I don't know if you guys have heard of that book. She's Got Issues. That's another one. Another one that um, a study that I did actually when um, a, a while back was Five Conversations with Your Daughter. And I looked at the date inside of it, and my daughter was two and a half years old. Five Conversations You Must Have with Your Daughter. And the last one was like Girls Gone Wild is like overrated, be a woman of virtue or something like that. And this was the things I was learning to tell my two and a half year old. So the truth is that, um, you know, I, I haven't actually finished 90% of those books. Um, I, I've started reading them. You, you know, we as parents, we want a quick fix. We want to be able to read a book and just flip a switch and that 
all of a sudden, um, we're great parents. But um, if you're like me, you're always looking for that quick fix. But the truth is that parenting doesn't happen in just a moment. It happens over a long period of time. And this quote really resonated me. We're going to put it on the screens. It says, daily choices make deep channels. And it really resonated with me because our daily choices, the day-to-day patterns that we create in our homes are what actually sets the course for our children's lives. And so that's what I really want to talk to you about today. And um, that is really the goal of parenting, right? That we would create children who love God, who know him, and who follow him in obedience. And so how do we do that? How do we um, help to prepare the soil of their hearts. And so in the parable that we just read, there's three different um, sections or things that we could look at. One is the sower. The second one is the seed. And the third one is the soil. And so the sower is really anybody that spreads the word of God. So it, it doesn't, in the parable, it doesn't name someone specific, but it's spreading the gospel. It's spreading the word of God. And that's what the seed is that we're spreading out amongst the ground, amongst the soil, is the seed, the word of God. Um, and the soil is actually um, the conditions of our hearts. And so when he's talking about the soil, he's talking about how we receive the word of God. And so today we're going to focus specifically on the soil and on how we teach our children um, and how we soften the soil of our children's hearts. Um, So when we're going through the the parable, you see four different types of soil. So the first one is the path. When we first read it, the first one is the path. And so when seeds fall on this, uh, Satan comes and quickly snatches it away from them. This is people who, who fail to even listen to the word of God. So they're not even receiving the word of God. When the word of God is sown, Satan comes and distracts them. He pulls them away in any direction that he can and they can't receive the word of God. The second heart is the rocky soil. So we have an initial response to the word, um, but it just doesn't take root. When trouble or persecution comes, people run away from their faith. The third type of soil is the thorny ground. So what's interesting about this is that people receive the word of God, the gospel message, But when the worries of this world come around, when there is um, worldly desires or greed or just worries in general, that actually chokes out their spiritual life. And it keeps them from bearing any fruit. And they're not willing to give up anything, any one of those things of the world in order to pursue Christ. The fourth and final soil is the good soil. And so we all know this is what we're striving for, the good soil. Um, These are people that accept God's word and it produces a rich harvest in them. So they're willing to really listen to it, to suffer and to give up everything for Christ. They're willing to give away the worries of this world and give away all the wealth in the world to pursue Jesus and to pursue Christ in their lives. And so when it comes to to parenting, our job is to help prepare the soil of our children's hearts to get them to that fourth soil. And what I know And what I think you know, too, is that there's really three ways to do that, three um, areas that we need to focus on as parents in order to prepare that soil in our children's hearts, and it's these three. It is our environment, it's our words, and it's our prayers. And so those are the three things that I really want us to talk about today. 
And so our environment that we put our kids in really matters. And so today, when you're showing up here and your kids are in our kids' programs, they're not just babysitting back there, although they are doing that. They're not just having fun back there and screaming and yelling, and I know you probably hear us sometimes in the kids' area. They're not just doing that. They're actually helping you to prepare the soil of your child's heart. They're investing in them. They're praying for them. They're telling them true stories from the Bible and helping them to apply it to their lives. So these environments are so important. And the environment isn't just high potential environments that we're talking about. We have to avoid low potential environments. So we have to look for ways that we can leave our kids out of certain environments, certain areas that will harm them, that will bring them away from the soil that we want to produce in their lives. And so we're looking for high potential environments to put those children in. And so if you have a teenager in the room, I see some teenagers in the front. If you have a teenager in the room, it's involving them in a youth ministry like ours that meets on Sunday nights. It's making sure that you have conversations with them around God's word. And that's the second one is our words. So our words really matter to how, and we can bring this up on the screens too. Yes, our words really matter to um, our parenting. And this is one of the things that I'm most passionate about in this message is our words. And so uh, you see three things here, gentle words, God's word, and no words. And so I want to talk about the first one. Our family um, memorized a scripture a while back. Um, I don't, does anybody in the room have kids that bicker? They argue with one another? Yeah. If you have children, you should be raising your hand. More than one child. If you only have one child and they're bickering with themselves, we can talk about that afterwards. But if you have two or more children, they for sure bicker with one another. They argue constantly and they speak nasty to one another. Like they're just not nice. And so um, I found this scripture um, I think it's in Psalms or Proverbs. I think it's in Proverbs 15. That's what it is. Proverbs 15.1, and it says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So you just think, if somebody's yelling at you, and you stay calm, and you talk to them nicely, it's going to lower the, the room, right? It's going to take the room down. And if you yell back at them, then it's just going to get louder and louder and louder and louder. And so this is what I taught my children. I said, okay, we're going to memorize this first. All of you, we're going to memorize this first. And so I forced this into them. We talked about it every day. I'm like, all right, what, what is it? A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And they, you know, repeat it back to us. And we have a couple of those, but this one was really important for me because I was like, they're going to speak nicely to one another. And then one day, um, I don't remember which child it was. It was probably Samuel, but I don't remember which child it was. Did something, right? And I'm like, what do you do? You know, like I'm coming across not so nice. And Ricky, gentle answer, turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And I'm like, man, I think I needed that more than my child needed that. Like, I taught that to them so that I could learn it. The Lord was like, yeah, 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 Carissa, go. Go teach your children that so that you keep saying it. Because uh, the truth is, is that our words really matter. And when we're gentle and kind with our words, when we take the moment to come down, I'm ruining the, the picture online, but I'm coming down. And you come down to your child's level and you lower your voice and you speak to them with kindness. It makes a difference in the way that that child is gonna respond to you. When you hear the words that they're saying, and not just talk straight to them. It's going to make a big difference in the way that you speak to them and in the way that they respond to you as well. Number two up here is God's word. So um, I told you that they're back there um, teaching them God's word, speaking truth, um, teaching them stories in the Bible, true stories in the Bible. Um, but if you don't take that into your homes, 
And you don't talk about it when you sit down. There's a Bible verse I want to read to you, and I didn't put it on the screen, so you're just going to have to write it down if you have um, your, uh, your Bible with you or if you have some notes. Hopefully I have it. I'm going to find it. Here we go. All right, um, Deuteronomy 11.18 says, Fix these words of mine, Deuteronomy 11.18, if you want to go look it up. Fix these words of mine in your hearts and in your minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your forehead. Teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. If you think about that in terms of what we do each and every day, Talk to them at home when you're getting ready for school. Talk to them on the road when you're taking them to school. Talk to them when, when they're going down for bed and when they're waking up in the morning. Um, talk to them about the word of God. Speak the word of God to them. But if you don't have that in your own heart, it's not going to come out of your mouth. If it's not in your heart, it's not going to come out of your mouth. So including that in your, just the, the idea that we talked about last week of of parenting from his presence. If you don't have the word of God, you can't speak the word of God. And so making sure that you're doing that and doing it all throughout your parenting. Make it a part of your day-to-day routine. Come up with a, um, a Bible verse that you can memorize as a family. I guarantee you that God will speak to, to you through it as well as to your children too. And so God's words matter in our our children's lives. And the last one here was no words. And this meant a couple of things to me. But the first thing that it meant to me was listening. And so when my my two-year-old comes to me and says, I don't wanna, I don't don't wanna, I don't wanna. Okay, buddy, I hear you that you don't want to, but we are gonna put on our seatbelt because that is the safe thing to do. We have to stay safe. So hearing what they're saying, if you're not listening to them, they can't hear what you're saying. If you don't repeat back and acknowledge what's happening in them and what they're going through, you're not going to be able to get across anything to them. And so no words is really important. Listening. It also means that your body language matters. So if this is your body language when you're talking to your children, there's going to be an effect out of that. If this is your body language, or maybe this, then your children see that. They repeat that. They know, um, they know that, that you're not fully engaged with them. And so when you're, when you're talking about no words, it's what is your body doing when you're talking to your children as well? This also goes, really blends into our third section, which is our prayers. And so our prayers for our children really matter as well. And when our prayers, when our words don't work, our prayers do. And so I want you to remember that when you're trying to have a conversation with that child that just doesn't understand and you're doing all the right things, you're saying saying all the right things, you're staying cool, calm, collected, but you don't think that it's getting across to your child and your child is making a choice to go in the other direction. Your prayers matter so much. When your words don't work, your prayers do. And so I... I I actually came across this, not, I'm going to tell on myself a little bit, um, but I came across this because uh, I was uh, in a, a very nice disagreement with my husband. We were very polite to one another. We were not, you know, arguing and frustrated. We were. So we, and, and you know what? I got to a moment where I was like, he's not hearing anything that I'm saying. 
He's not hearing. We're, we're married, believe it or not, and we have a real marriage where we do, you know, have disagreements at times. We try to be respectful and kind to one another, but we have disagreements at times. And I got frustrated, and I thought, you know what? He's not listening to me. I'm just going to pray for him. And it was this response out of frustration, interestingly enough, that I thought, Lord, I'm never going to change his heart on this. I'm frustrated. I can't believe he doesn't see it my way, and I just want to go to you, Lord. And there's two things that happen when you do that. The Lord might change the other person's heart, and in this case, talking about your child, but he might change your heart. He might change your heart. He might align it with something different. You might see a different perspective that you didn't see before. It's so important that when your words are not working, that you go to prayer for your child, that you go to battle for your child, because there are things that they're facing that you've never faced before. And I'm sure there's lots of things you face that you are so glad that they will never have to face. But when your words don't work, it's so important that we pursue the Lord in how we parent our child. So what type of soil are you developing when it comes to your child? Is it um, the, the soil that is the path? Is it, is it that the, the, your child can't even receive the word of God? It's just bouncing off of them. The, the enemy is coming and taking away. Is it that um, your child is um, unable to fully receive the word of God, whether it's the rocky path or it's the thorny path? Are they just not able to receive it because they can't get deep roots or, or because the worries of this world, because you're so stressed about grades and you're so stressed about making sure that they don't hang out with that friend, that all these worries of the world are wrapped up in, in, in your child's heart and in their mind? Or, or are you the good soil, which is, is honestly probably few and far between. We're a work in progress. It's, it's hard to get there. It's a process to get there. We said that parenting isn't overnight. It doesn't happen in an instant. It takes time, and, and it takes tilling of the land. And so um, I want us to really focus. If you go back to those three things that we talked about, put them back on the screen, our prayers uh, keep going for it. Our prayers, our words, yeah, in our environment. I want us to be thinking about, you know, which one of these for your family is what you need to focus on? Is it the environment that your child is sitting in? Is it, is it the environment at home or the environment that you're sending them into, um, whether it be with friends or school, or is it the environment that is highly affecting them? Is it, is it that your words in your home, you're, you're full of of not-so-nice language. You're full of um, yelling at one another, and that's become how you communicate with one another. Is it your words that you need to focus on? Or is it prayers? Maybe you don't pray for your kids. Maybe you just hope the best, and you just use your own words, and that's what you trust is your own words and not the word of God over them. Maybe it's that you need to be praying over your children. And so um, I can't change the environment right now. I mean, it's great that they're in there. So they're in the environment. That's great. I, I can't change your, your words to your children right here and right now. But I want us to take a moment. Um, if Andrews would come back up, and I didn't even ask him, but he loves me enough to come back up here. He loves Jesus enough. That's the truth. He's like, I'm so mad at Carissa right now, but I love Jesus. So he'll come up. Um, but is it is it that you need to be praying for your children? I I, I have you separated from your children right now? And I, I want you to take a moment to do that. I want us just to do some sort of song. He's going to figure something out because he's good like that. Right? Yep. Mm -hmm. We'll talk later. I know. It's okay. It's all right. 
Um, but, but I want you to focus on which one of these is, is really what you need to make a change with in, in your home and in your parenting. And I want us just to pray for our kids. I think that prayer is so powerful. I know that it is so powerful. I've watched the power of prayer in our family's life, whether it be through sickness, whether it be through just changing a child's heart or my own towards my child. Man, maybe just God just changed my heart towards these kids. I'm so angry. I have no patience. They're always here. They're always right here on top of me. Maybe we just need to pray for our kids. So if you if you guys would just take a moment, I'm going to pray for my kids. Um, you can get with your spouse if they're with you. Um, you can get with a friend next to you. Um, and, and if you're not a parent in the room or your kids are, are, are long gone, um, I, I just, I want you to maybe not in your home anymore, but um, still needs good soil in his life, still needs to hear the word of God because if our hearts are not softened, if our hearts are not prepared, if our soil is not prepared and healthy, then when the word of God comes and the seed is thrown on our lives, we won't receive it. It won't take deep roots and it won't produce a harvest. But my prayer is that for us in the room and for our children and for their children and their children, that the soil would be good, that they would hear the word of God. It would pierce inside of their hearts. It would grow down deep. And that even if we're not seeing the fruits of it now, that the roots would be growing. And that eventually that little sprout would just pop out of the ground. And if you're, you're not seeing the fruits of your labor in the way that you're working with your child and interacting with your child and your relationship with your child, I just I hope that you'll hang on to that hope that the work that you're doing is working. The environments that you're putting your child in are powerful and that the roots are growing deep for your children. And if you don't have a child, this can apply to you the environments you put yourself in, the words that you speak over yourself, the prayers that you pray are all softening and working in your heart. And so let's take a moment. I'm going to stop talking. I could talk to this moment. I'm going to stop talking for a few minutes. Um, let's just take a couple of minutes and let's pray for our children. Let's pray for our own hearts. Um, and then we'll come back in just a second.
If you have children in your family, just pray for your niece, your nephew.
teacher or if you influence the next generation in any way, you carry responsibility and influence to prepare that soil. And every word you say is either putting rocks into the plant that's trying to grow, putting poison into the plant that's trying to grow,
you see your earthly father greatly has impacted how you see your heavenly father. And how your earthly father spoke to you or didn't speak to you at all or wasn't even around, you often wanted the same as the heavenly father even around. Or maybe if my earthly father yelled at me, that's how he talks to me when he's disappointed in me. When I do something right, I have literally lost his approval. And so our job as a parent is simply to say, no, 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 that is not the picture of Jesus picture of Jesus is, I don't come to condemn you, I come to save you. And every time I try to discipline you, it's out of love, it's not out of anger, it's not out of hate. It's because of what I want for you, it's not because of what I'm trying to keep from you. And really giving them the picture of who Christ is, was what this whole series is all about, that our weight, the responsibilities, but here's the good news, don't feel guilty, don't feel guilty if you don't get it perfect as a parent. Jesus did not give you a child to be a perfect parent. He simply gave you a child to simply guide and lead towards the real, good, heavenly Father. The perfect parent. And his name is Jesus. And so whenever you need it, like a, 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 play this card. Hey, 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 you know, whatever, you know, Samuel, just so you know, I'm not a perfect dad. Samuel, yeah, Lillian, Emery, right, Nathan. I'm not a perfect dad. I'm not a perfect mom really good news. This is the best thing. Hear me on this. Gosh, hear me on this. Please, I, I, this is so critical that you do this. And it doesn't matter how great of a Christian you are and how much of the Bible you know. I'm just going to challenge you to do something if you would allow me to, please. Some of you really need to do this. Go to your child. I'm not a perfect Remove the guilt, but I know one. And his name is Jesus. And he's perfect in every way. And I hope that sets you free today as a parent to remove the guilt of all the weight of parenting that's all on our shoulders. No, it's not. Jesus says, I come to take the burden off of you. I don't come to condemn you. Cast your cares on me. I care for you. Jesus would never entrust the child to your care if he didn't trust you enough to take care of you. Delete it.
who's always believing and hoping and encouraging and shaping his children to be more like him. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come and do the work of your Can you hear Jesus just tell somebody that this morning you're doing?